I enjoyed the music today, the choir, uh, hearing you all sing the, the bells this morning in Sunday school class, um, the ensemble just now, and the, the brass down there. What a, what a blessing. Uh, and then that, that's a practice outside of church time that they have to put time with that. I appreciate that, and it's a blessing for sure. Well, uh, the uh, Super Bowl is tonight. And uh, some of you, I mean, most of us are for real? What's that? Um, uh, <laughs> and I, I thought it was pretty amazing. I, I came across this, I was reading this week. Uh, they were saying nearly 68 million Americans are expected to wager money on something regarding the Super Bowl. 68 million People, 68 million Americans, uh, and then uh, expected to amount to uh, 23 billion, with a B, uh, being wagered on different aspects of today's game. Um, uh, from, from who will win the game, um, uh, how, how the coin toss will go, even the color of the Gatorade that will be poured out on the winning coach. Um, how long the national anthem will be? There's people betting on that. Um, uh, whether you know the, the the there's the 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 the, the high-profile couple, will he propose to her after the game? You know, will there be a marriage? Will it last more than a week before <laughs> before I'm over there in, at Dollar General? Seeing, oh, that marriage didn't last. <laughs> Look on the, the paper right there. Um, so again, 68 million Americans, 23 billion, billion dollars being thrown around regarding the game today. Uh, uh, there are three friends. There are three guys who are up in their 80s who have made it to all 57 Super Bowls. And uh, they, they plan to be there at, at that one tonight. And uh, they're hoping to make it to 60 before they're like, oh, okay, I think we can be done. But just imagining all the money there. Um, so I, tonight when the game starts, I'm going to be here in church. <laughs> and I'm preaching, so that works out really well. Um, <laughs> But even if I wasn't preaching, I praise God. And again, if you don't understand this. You think, well, believers are sticks in the mud. They have to, they have to figure out what the, the, the least exciting thing to do is and then do that because they're Christians. That's what it means to be a believer. Oh, no. I am thrilled that I have better things to put my money toward. I am thrilled that I have better things to put my time to word. Um, so we're talking about uh, strong confidence, strong confidence. Last week we, we looked at that, so our, our verse, uh, um, we'll kind of start here in Proverbs 14, uh, you can go there if you'd like, uh, we'll be jumping around quite a bit, looking at confidence in the Bible. Uh, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, the Bible says, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence. So not just confidence, but strong confidence in the fear of the Lord. And again, fear of the Lord, there's a lot of ways you can look at that, but one of the simplest ways is saying God is important 
and he has plans for me and I'm going to be interested in what his plans for me are and I'm going to be busy about those things. That's a good definition of the fear of the Lord. And when you know God is important to me and what he wants is important and I'm busy about those things because he matters. I live my life like God matters. That's a good way to, to look at the fear of the Lord. And when you're living that way, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. Don't you want to go through life with strong confidence? Well, the Bible tells us how right there. And then that confidence becomes a refuge for us, a place where we can feel safe. Because the rest of that verse says, and his children shall have a place of refuge. Sometimes we'll go through hard times, and, and boy, the, when, the, when the embrace of the Lord is around us, there's nothing like it. So last Sunday, we looked at some characteristics of, of biblical, strong confidence. And, and we see in this world around us, our fellow human beings long to walk through this life with some confidence. For us, uh, this, this, this is the owner's manual. This is the owner's manual for who we are. We can look inside this and find out about ourselves. But actually, as wonderful as that thought is, this isn't primarily an owner's manual about us. This is a revelation of who he is. So it is an owner's manual. In this life, it's good to study us. Uh, uh, humanity, how can we find out about humanity? Open the owner's manual for humanity. This is the owner's manual for who we are, but even more than that, it's the revelation of who he is. This life should not be a study about ourselves, and this just happens to be a good resource. This life is a study about him as our creator. So last week, some characteristics uh, about biblical confidence. This week, I'd like to examine some contrasts, some contrasts regarding biblical strong confidence. And next week, I want to look at the captain of our, conf our confidence, the captain of our conf uh, confidence. Uh, Psalm 65, verse 5 says, By terrible things in righteousness wilt thou answer us. O God of our salvation, who art the, the confidence of all the ends of the earth and of them that are afar off upon the sea? So we'll look at the captain of our confidence next week. But this week, strong confidence, some contrasts to consider. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us, uh, your love uh, to us and, and for us. We thank you, Lord, that, that we come today. And, and Lord, it's not when you're a Christian, <laughs> you, you, you find the, the least enjoyable thing to do and you set your life to that because that's what being a believer is. Oh, no, Lord. Being a believer means we have way better things to set our life toward, set our gaze upon, set our attention to. Oh, Lord, being a believer is so exciting. Oh, Lord, you give purpose. You give meaning. And Lord... Uh, uh, I just thank you. I, I don't deserve all the, the, the joy that I receive from being a Christian, Lord. Uh, thank you for giving me such a fulfilled life. And Lord, help us, Lord. Each one of us, we're sinners, and, and we, we can get our focus on the wrong things. We, we, can, we can get burdened down with this or that, and pretty soon we're pretty miserable. But when we belong to you, Lord, we shouldn't be miserable. 
We have everything in you we need to be happy and enjoy strong confidence in this life. Maybe today, Lord, there's some that aren't fearing you and uh, the way we should. And even as Brother Varner prayed, Lord, each time we come into your house and the word of God is open, I pray that you change us at least just a bit. Make us more like Jesus. Help us today, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I heard a story from years ago about a businessman whose company was floundering. Uh, he sat down on a, a park bench and sank low in, in spirits as he thought about the creditors who were on his heels, the suppliers who were threatening to cut him off. Oh, he was so full of doubt that he didn't know what to do. If he wasn't too late already, it seemed like one more misstep would cause everything to come crashing down. Oh, the weight of, of imminent failure seemed to just be crushing him as he sat on that park bench. An older gentleman had come and sat next to him, and this, this man didn't even realize that this older gentleman had sat next to him. And, and uh, the, the older man kind of looked at him and, and interrupted his thoughts. Hey, fella, you seem burdened down by something. What is it? Maybe I could help. The man began telling his new friend uh, about some of the difficulties. And, and even though it was kind of unlike him, he really opened up to the guy and kind of seemed, I, I feel like I can pour out my woes <laughs> with my business that uh, that just can't get any traction. After a while, the old man nodded understandably and, and said, you know, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to help you. I think there's something special about you. Uh, I'm going to write a check to your business and you can use it however you want. One year from today, let's meet again right here and you can pay me back. I don't want any interest. Just pay me back what I'll give you today. The man wrote him a check and handed it to him and walked away. <laughs> the man kind of glanced down at the check and his jaw dropped. It was a check for $500,000 which is a lot today, but back then was a huge amount. The check was signed by none other than John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men in that day. The young man thought to himself, I'm gonna put this check in my safe and, 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 and I'm going to go forward with confidence knowing, and I'm not going to cash this unless I absolutely have to. So he started running his, his company with, with confidence, knowing that if he had to, he could fall back on that check. And it turned out it was exactly what he needed. As the year progressed, he was able to uh, uh, take some risks uh, and without second-guessing everything. And, and quickly, the, the business began turning around. He was able to close some big deals, and, and new ones began falling into his lap. Uh, pretty soon, he was a huge success, all thanks to that check and the stability it brought. 
and he never ended up cashing it. Well, the year came to a close, and it came time for him to meet up with that wealthy man that, that took a risk on him. He couldn't wait to tell him about the previous year. After a bit, the older man was coming, and, um, and he sees him coming. He can't wait for him to get there. And there's another lady in white that's kind of scurrying up behind the other man. And, and just before the older man gets to the park bench, the, the, the lady in white kind of comes around in front of him and, and, and sort of intercepts him. She turns to him and says, you have got to stop wandering out of the rest home. One of these times, uh, we might have a hard time tracking you down. Then she turned to the businessman. I'm sorry, sir. I hope he didn't bother you. He has a way of sneaking out and scaring us half to death. And sometimes he'll even tell people that he's John D. Rockefeller. Then she turned to the patient and said, All right, mister, let's, let's get you back to that home. And let's let this nice man get to what he was doing. The newly successful businessman just sat there stunned. That check. I am where I am today because I thought I had something in the bank, so to speak. Something in reserve. And it was nothing. But I thought there was something there. And it gave me confidence. And that made all the difference. I, I like that story. A, a little bit of confidence, imagined in his case, though it was, <laughs> helped him to turn everything around. He had confidence in something that wasn't even real. How about us today? Do we have a little bit of confidence? Well, I think from God's word, we can have real confidence so let's look at some contrasts today with, with strong confidence. I'm going to give you three. Uh, we'll look at faith instead of flesh, God instead of gold, and prayer instead of princes. So we'll look at these things uh, today. Uh, strong confidence, some, uh, some contrasts. All right, so first of all, faith instead of flesh. Faith instead of flesh. So faith, well, let's look at that one first. Uh, faith will bring confidence. So Paul preached about faith and he preached confidently. Listen to this. Uh, Paul in Acts 28 verses 30 and 31. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God. And teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. He began preaching with all confidence. How can a man preach with all confidence? Well, Romans 1.16 also, uh, uh, also written by the Apostle Paul. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Oh, the confidence from saving faith. 
saving faith. He knew where salvation could be had. And he knew that in the gospel there is saving power. I am not ashamed. There was boldness. And he could preach. What does it say here in Acts? Preaching the kingdom of God. And teaching those things uh, which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. No man forbidding him. Oh, saving faith. What a blessing. Faith and salvation and knowing that you belong to him. Oh, what confidence that brings. And it gives us something to talk about. Oh, might it be if you know the Lord as your Savior today. Might it be you say, I'm, I'm just excited and I cannot Keep it to myself. That was Paul. That was Paul. He knew that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was the power of God unto salvation. And he preached and he taught those things regarding the kingdom of God and those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. Saving faith. There was confidence. We also have confidence in serving faith. Serving faith uh, in 2 Thessalonians 3 4. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you. We have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. So there is Paul again talking to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, I have confidence that you are going to do what God wants you to do. And again, he, it wasn't confidence in the people. It was confidence in the Lord concerning the people. Listen to it again. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you, serving faith. So there was confidence there. He said, we have, oh boy, I've seen God, well God has done a work in my life. And he changes the things that I want to do. And I have confidence that the same God that got into my life and changed my want to her, the things that I'm interested in doing, God has changed those things in my life. And I have confidence that the same God who is a part of your life is going to make you, cause you to want to do and continue doing the things that God has. Listen to the verse again. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. That ye both do and will do. Oh boy, that's exciting. To, to, to be able to say, listen, I love the Lord. And I know that many of you do as well. And the same God that gives me my marching orders is giving you your marching orders. And I know that you're excited about what God wants you to do. You might ask me, do I have confidence in my children? And I would say, well, I know their father. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in my kids, but I do have confidence in the Lord. I could, I could put it this way, right? And we have confidence in the Lord concerning our children. I'm a sinner, and there's a lot of bad decisions I've made, and, 
and I've been drawn toward wrong things, but the Lord changed me. Do I have confidence in my kids? I don't have confidence in my kids. I have confidence in the Lord as touching my kids. I have confidence in the Lord concerning my kids. That if, if, if I can show them, listen, I, uh, the Lord Jesus, I've turned to him and he's my savior and he has helped me become something better than I ever could be without him. Listen, if you'll give your life to him, he could do wonderful things in your life as well. So do I have confidence? Oh, I can say I have confidence in the Lord concerning them. Oh, Claire. Oh, Kate. Oh, Alec. Make sure, you, make sure you bow before God in heaven. Make sure he's your God. Make sure you submit to him. Make sure you have that fear of God and say, Oh, God, what you want matters. You matter. Oh, God, thank you for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. And I want to do those things that please you for the rest of my life. And they'll know a good and wonderful life. Serving faith and saving faith. Boy, when you, when you see faith, there was Noah, right? In Hebrews eleven seven, and and God said, build an ark. And he did not wait until God convinced him that an ark was necessary. Noah said, well, this is important to God. And so it's important to me. Boy, you're here today. Don't sit there saying, well, if you can convince me that it's, uh-uh. As soon as you know it's important to him, that should be enough for it to be important to us. Uh, saving faith and serving faith and even sanctifying faith. Uh, here in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing. There's that word again. Being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That God, the same one that started to do a work in you, uh, he can pray in faith. Brother Varner can stand up here and say, Lord, would you change us in some way? He can pray. He doesn't have to con convince God to do that because God's interested. He that hath begun a good work in us, he wants to continue that good work. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Confident in man? No, confident in God. And in him, continuing what he started in them as we let God have his perfect work. Boy, uh, he's freed us in salvation from the bondage of sin unto the blessings of of service. Oh God, do a work in our life. So faith, not flesh. So not flesh. Let's talk about flesh for a minute. Philippians 3 3 says, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. There's that word again. We have no confidence in the flesh. Boy, uh, Human beings let other human beings down. And, and we're not, my confidence is in the Lord, not in flesh. Um, the arm of flesh will fail you. Ye dare not trust your own. Proverbs 25, 19 says, Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. <laughs> uh, the adults in here, I think most every adult knows, oh, broken tooth. 
dental issues. Oh yeah, that'll mess up your day. Ah, dental issues. <laughs> Those can be awful. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of troubles like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. <laughs> Many of us have known what it's like to hobble around with plantar fasciitis or a break in our foot or, uh, or gout or other things that cause you to, oh, I used to just walk around. Oh, how beautiful it was when I used to just be able to walk around. Oh, I long for the chance just to walk around again one day. A foot out of joint. Oh, it can be miserable. Isaiah 31, verse 3. This verse jumped out to me as I was going through Isaiah. God says, now the Egyptians are men and not God. And their horse is flesh, not spirit. Why would you look to them for help when I'm so much bigger and so much more powerful? Why would you look to the creature for help when the creator has made himself available to us today? Lamentations 4.17, as for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save us. Why would you look to flesh for help? instead of the place where we always can get help. What did the psalmist say in Psalm 34, verse, uh, verses 4 and 6 and 7? I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. All oh, faith. And not flesh. Let's look to the Lord today. Secondly, God instead of gold. God instead of gold. Where is our confidence today? All right. Uh, we looked at this uh, passage a little while ago, but uh, back again to Rabshakeh um, uh, when Hezekiah was there and, and uh, uh, Jerusalem was surrounded by the enemy. Uh, Rabshakeh says this. So in 2 Kings 18, verses 19 through 22. So we should have confidence in God, not in gold. So Rabshakeh, there he is. Uh, so he's the enemy and Jerusalem is surrounded. And he's talking to them and say, look, Look at these armies. You have no hope. What can you possibly do? You should surrender because there's no point looking to your God. Other nations, they looked to their gods and they were overthrown. Why would you waste time looking to your God? Look what you're up against. Listen to what he says. Uh, this is 2 Kings 18, verse 19. And Rabshakeh uh, said unto them, Speak ye now to Hezekiah. Thus saith the great king, he was going to find out who the great king really was in just a little bit. But for now, he thinks his king, the king of Assyria, is the great king. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence, there's that word, what confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust, thou that rebellest against me? 
Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this bruised reed and upon Egypt, on which if a man lean it will go into his hand and pierce it so, so is the Pharaoh king of Egypt and all that trust on him. But if ye say unto me, we will trust in the Lord our God. He was mocking them. You're going to trust in God? <laughs> and you'll be overthrown like all the rest. And we know the rest of the story. I'm not going to read it. And a little while, Hezekiah goes to that God and, and pleads his case. And God took out 185,000 soldiers in the enemy army. <laughs> Rabshiki, he found out pretty fast who the great king was. When 185,000 of the men of his great king were taken out by the truly great king, God up in heaven. By the way, everyone's going to know that the great king truly is the great king. Philippians 2, 10 and 11 says that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Boy, it's best to do it now. God. Listen to this. He is the source of confidence. Listen, this is his Proverbs 3, 19 through 26. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. My son, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So shall they be life unto thy soul and grace to thy neck. When thou shalt walk in thy way safely and thy foot shall not stumble. When thou liest down, thou shalt not be afraid. Yea, when thou lie down, thy sleep shall be sweet. Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. For the Lord shall be thy confidence. For the Lord shall be thy confidence and shall keep thy foot from being taken. Oh, God, and not gold. 1 John 2, 28 says, And now, little children, abide in him. Sounds like in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and that refuge that we can have in him that if we'll place our confidence in him. Now, my little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence, the Bible says, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. In this life, it's good, it's good to be near somebody at times, right? It's, it's good to be near a, a first responder if you start to choke, right? If you start to choke, like, find, you know, like quick, find somebody that can help him. Boy, it's, it's nice to be near someone right there can, that, that can do the Heimlich or has one of those neat uh, uh, suction, you know, suck whatever it is right out and yeah, I can breathe again. <gasps> in, a, in times of emergency, it's nice to be near a first responder. At church functions, it's nice to be, to be near the photographer, right? Because you're safe. If you're standing next to the photographer, you know, down there we're eating, you know, and it's like, ooh, get brother so-and-so while he eats his hamburger. And that's immortalized forever, digitally, right? So it's, it's, it's good to be near. 
You know, when, when Jesus returns, it will be good for those that are near him, that are abiding in him. Listen to the verse again. Now little children abide in him. Be close to the Lord. That when he shall appear, we may, we may have confidence. Don't be close to the world today, valuing what it values. Jesus may come. I wonder if there are Christians who are going to skip church tonight and watch the Super Bowl. And what if Jesus came? What if Jesus came? While they're doing that wrong, placing something that the world values above what he values. What if Jesus came during that time? Place that same formula to anything in your life, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Just be doing always those things that please him, because he could return. And you want to have confidence that when he returns, you're doing what would please him. God and not gold. Not gold. All right, what does it say about gold? Here in Job 31. Job 31, verses 24 through 28. So we looked at, at flesh, a faith and not flesh. God instead of gold. And so what do we see about gold here? Um, if I have made gold my hope. So this is Job 31, 24. If I have made gold my hope. And by the way, uh, Job had been a wealthy man. A wealthy man who God was pleased with. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having wealth. But Job says, I had gold. But there is something wrong when gold is what you place your hope in. It shouldn't be, what, what if there's a terrible recession? I, I'm ready, I have gold in my safe. Oh, that shouldn't be what you're hoping in. If I have made gold my hope, or have said to find gold, thou art my confidence. Thou art my confidence. If I rejoice because my wealth was great, and because mine hand had gotten much, if I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness. Uh, in context, it seems to be that, that, you know, if I beheld the sun and, and uh, um, the idea of, oh, there's the sun warming me. And, and, and you have this self-centeredness where you're not like, wow, God, thank you. Look, sunshine. God, you are so faithful. But instead we have this arrogant, you know, you know oh, look, there's the sun. And why wouldn't it warm me? Why wouldn't it serve me? Uh, why wouldn't it recognize my importance? If I beheld the sun when it shined or the moon walking in brightness and my heart was secretly enticed or my mouth hath kissed my hand. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. My mouth has kissed my hand. Uh, Dr. Schreiber has a, has a commentary on, on the book of Job. So I, I, I pulled out his commentary to, and, and the, the idea of kissing your own hand Almost like a royalty where you like, like uh, uh, kiss that hand or, or what it is. And some will kiss their own hand. The idea of self-worship. Look at this gold that I have. Look at this, look at this. And kissing mine own hand. Self-worship. This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, Job says. For I should then have denied the God 
that is above. The God that is above. Having confidence in gold, having your hope in gold. Oh, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. I've been praying about the elections. Have you been praying about the elections? I've been praying about the elections. Lord, we don't deserve your mercy. Would you be merciful to us? Would you give us some good people to vote for? Lord, those people that are trying to stand for you, oh God, would you, would you, would you help them to get traction out there? Would you give us some people, some good people to vote for? God, and not gold. Some people will say, you know, I'll, I'll vote for whoever will, 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 will legislate the biggest handouts for me. Whoever I think will put more money in my wallet, that's who I'll vote for. I don't care if they're for abortion or, or this or that. Or, I don't care what the great evil is, just so my bottom line, just so there's something in my wallet. That's wicked. That's trusting gold and not God. Oh, will you pray about the elections? Lord, thank you that we still have a country. I don't know how we still have a country. But somehow in God's mercy, we still have a country. And won't you pray? And then when you decide who you're going to vote for, and make sure you use that voice God has allowed us to have in this country. God, who is that one who will most honor you? That should be the last question you need to ask. Do some research and vote along those lines. God, and not gold. And lastly, prayer instead of princes. Prayer instead of princes. Uh, we read this verse last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, but 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Oh, Oh, the confidence that the God of all gods, the creator of heaven and earth, that we can cry out and he will hear us. Now that's confidence. If this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Uh, another spot I want to go to is Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3, verses 7 through 12. Ephesians 3, verses 7 through 12. He says down in verse 12, uh, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence. But I want to read some verses leading up to that. So Ephesians 3, 7 through 12. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints. Paul says, I can't believe God would let me be a minister of his word. What a gift from God that he would let me serve him in this way. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles. So that's really, so that I should preach that and the idea of preaching here is, is, of course, making known the gospel. Going to Gentiles and saying, listen, Jesus is not just the Savior of the Jew. Jesus is the Savior of the Gentile. Jesus is the hope of all mankind. And not just a hope, but the only hope. Let me preach Christ unto you. 
that I should preach among the Gentiles. Boy, am I glad. Boy, am I glad, because I'm one of those Gentiles. And boy, am I glad that Jesus is a Savior for me as well. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Um, the idea of unsearchable is, uh, is fathomless. Fathomless. So uh, a fathom is, uh, I, I believe it, it comes from an old English word that has the idea from fingertip to fingertip. Fathom. And it was approximately six feet. Six feet. If you, if you took a rope, uh, uh, you could mark off uh, six feet on the rope. Uh, so, so, and then you just keep marking that off. And you could see how, how deep the water was. You could tie a, a weight to that rope and you could see how many six-foot sections it went down into the water. Then you'd know this water is seven fathoms deep or se seven times six, uh, 42 feet fathom. And sometimes they'd be out in the water and their rope wasn't long enough. It was so deep they would say, this water is immeasurably deep. This water is fathomless. And we know that every ocean has a bottom, but they would say this is unfathomable. And when it says the unsearchable riches of Christ, oh, unto me who am less than the least, God has allowed me to open my mouth and proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. Every ocean has a bottom. But the riches of my Lord Jesus, there is no bottom. It truly is fathomless. Verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. God blending Gentile and Jew into one body, a church that could please him, from which the beginning of the world had been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heaven, so uh, angels, God teaches things about himself through a church to angels. Angels are still uh, learning things about God. God reveals things to the angelic realm through his workings in churches. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places, the angelic realm might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose. God never figures anything out. He always knows what he will do and he has always known his eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And here's our verse. In whom we have boldness and access. That's the idea of prayer. And access with confidence by the faith of him. Oh boy, we, we can join the family of God and have access of course, it says in that verse, boldness. And of course, we go to Hebrews 4 where it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Prayer. Not princes. Not princes. What does the Bible say about princes? Well, in Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9, there's two verses here. It says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. 
verse 9, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Confidence in man? So man or God? Who should I put confidence in? The Bible says it's better to put confidence in the Lord. Well, why? Tell me. Well, God is wiser. No comparison. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll give you that one. God is far more able to help. No comparison. <laughs> okay, yeah. I've got to give that one to you as well. And God wants the best for us. More than anyone else. More than any other being. He wants the very best for every single one of us. No comparison. I tell my children, I want good things for you, but, but God wants the best for you even more than I do. I want the best for my kids, but God even more than I do wants the best for them. Is it better to put confidence in, in God than man? Oh, yeah. What about princes? What about confidence in princes? Well, remember, the best of men are still just men at best. Somebody said the weather vane, the weather vane turns with the wind, whether it's made of cheap aluminum or the finest gold. And far too often down here, uh, whether it's a, a lowly man or, or that prince or whatever, so many are affected just by the winds of change. It's better to put confidence in man or God than in princes. A preacher once said this of this verse, in many troubles they, princes, cannot help us in the least degree. For instance, in sickness, bereavement, or death, neither can they assist us one jot in, reverence, in reference to our eternal state. In eternity, a prince's smile goes for nothing. Someday when we stand before God, we, oh, but, but prince so-and-so smiled upon my life. Guess how much that's going to count for in heaven? Nothing. In eternity, a prince's smile counts for nothing. Heaven and hell pay no homage to royal authority. The favor of princes is proverbially fickle. The testimonies of worldlings to this effect is abundant. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. So, that man on the park bench. <laughs> Boy, confidence was really precious. I'm sure glad I, I never took that check to the bank. I had confidence and I had no right to it because in my safe, there was nothing there. All oh, confidence is a precious thing. But when you have a check from God, there's something there every single time. Oh, the promises from God, that's a check. And you can fall back on that thing. You can live that thing out. Confidence in this life can add so much to this life. And when you know the truth about real Bible confidence and live your life based on that, it isn't fake. You really have something in the bank. Proverbs 4.26, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge.
Lord, I do pray that you'd be with this time that we have. I, I pray that you'd be with uh, uh, this time of invitation, Lord, as uh, 